Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brant Daughtry alongside of me here on this Monday, a beautiful, warm, hot, sunny Monday. Uh, some of the some of those adjectives not being used the last couple weeks, particularly hot and sunny. Uh, so it's a beautiful day, though, on the plane. It's going to get really hot later this week. But excited to be with you for another week of Sports Call. Going to have a lot of fun this week and a lot of fun today as uh, we will have, of course, as always, a uh, best and worst of the weekend towards the end of the show, nightly TV guide and, and uh, birthdays and sports, as always. Uh, also today, going to talk a little bit about the 2024 SEC basketball schedule, in particular Auburn's schedule, as that was released today. So almost uh, two out of three weeks there with 2024 schedules being revealed and, again, the SEC slate being revealed for Auburn men's basketball. So we'll talk about the difficulty of that, what Auburn will have for the basketball docket. Also an interesting transfer from the basketball world and from Alabama in the form of Javon Quinterly. We'll talk a little bit about that and just the timing that is allowed for transfers in the basketball portal. Also talk some baseball today as the Atlanta Braves had a fun series over the weekend, a very dramatic playoff-like series. We'll talk a little bit about the Braves and about Major League Baseballs. We're nearing the halfway point. Some teams playing game 80 and 81 here in the next day or two. Some other teams playing it towards this weekend. So about the halfway point of the Major League Baseball season. Of course, as always, we'll take your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Ryan and Brant with you here on this Monday. Brant, how was your weekend, sir? My weekend was great. Uh, I had a very relaxing weekend. I got to catch up on and sleep a little bit, which was necessary. And yeah, I, I, you touched on the weather. I saw it. Uh, we're going to be touching triple digits later this week, which is uh, not something I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, it's a dry heat, not too humid out there. But yeah, anytime you hit a hundred, it's uh, it, it's a rough time. But yeah, uh, looking forward to it. SEC basketball that kind of came out of nowhere. I, I don't know if that came out of nowhere for everybody else, or if I just wasn't ready for it, or uh, whatever the case was there. But yeah, some exciting things to look at. The thing that immediately jumps out to me is that Auburn goes to Nashville twice once in football and once in basketball uh next year so uh, a lot to touch on there uh the transfer portal thing is very interesting i have a lot of opinions on that um it, not all of them about the same topic i guess some of them about transferring late some of them about javon quinterly but uh we'll, we'll get to that when we get there and yeah the braves man uh pacing the national league right now on pace for over 100 wins because they've already hit 50 and we're just at the halfway point so uh, do the quick math and on pace for 100 wins, which if that continues should win the NL East, you would think. So hopefully all that moving forward continues. And yeah, it's a good Monday, uh, about three hours left in the workday, and uh, we're ready to get going. Absolutely. And uh, I uh, 
a little preview of my best of the weekend. Got to go home this weekend. So I've only been here about 30 minutes. So I'm just showing up and and uh, doing stuff and, I guess, leaving for today. But uh, had a good weekend back at home. Uh, took care of some appointments and uh, good to see the parents. So have a little bit more on that on the uh, best and worst of the weekend. Definitely the best side uh, of that a little bit later. Uh, let's start today with the transfer news, just because I think the schedule talk will take a, a longer period of time. And we'll we'll probably get back into the transfer news a little bit later, too. And then, uh, of course, we'll take some phone calls right after this in just a few minutes. But, uh, you know, Javon Quinterly announcing this weekend, longtime guard at Alabama, uh, that he was hitting the portal uh, this weekend. And, and Quinterly, a guy that has played a lot of college basketball. He's been at Alabama technically four years. He redshirted a year after a year at Villanova and, and played for the Tide for three years. Uh, played almost 100 games for Alabama in the regular season, or I guess overall, 98 games overall, 40 of them he started. Got a little bit worse as time went on from the field, just from a field goal percentage and scoring standpoint at least not having a great year this past year until the last, I don't know, eight, nine games of the year he started to wake up. But uh, certainly a little bit disappointing compared to his other two years at Alabama. It, it kind of raised the question of, you know, how how late is too late for, for when you should be able to transfer? Uh, obviously, underclassmen already cannot hit the portal. And we talked a little bit about that a few weeks ago when there were some deadlines around the NBA draft and there were some deadlines around uh, we got to see if uh, ex-Auburn player will get in the portal. I think at the time it was Flanagan and and, and, and all that. And so we, we talked about the undergrad part of it a few weeks ago, but obviously the graduate part of it extends much longer. So, Brian, I'll just start with this. Where are you on, not the Quinterly situation in particular, I guess, but where are you on – uh, how valid it is to give graduates longer periods of time, how much longer are they, and just kind of your thoughts on that part of it. You know, I definitely think there should be a deadline. I don't know when that deadline should be, but the fact that you know we're this far into the process, the school year is about to start, and now this kid is going to go find a, an entirely different school, I, I think that is – I'm not going to say it's unfair to Alabama because I think Alabama basketball is going to be just fine without Javon Quinterly, but – I, I think it is unfortunate that, you know, now some kid who's committed to whatever school Javon Quinterly transfers to, well, is he going to have his playing time taken away by by a new kid coming in there this late in the process? And, well, this other kid, he's not a graduate. He's a sophomore, uh, and he doesn't have the option to move. So the fact that you can kind of recruit over your kids' heads when after the point where they have a window to do something about it that, that's a little something to me. Like I said, I, I don't expect Javon Quinterly, his absence to truly affect Alabama that much. This is a kid who averaged less than 10 points a game last year. I think 8.7 is what yes. ESPN says. Um, so it, not it, like you said, a, a pretty big contributor for some of their final games. He also was kind of absent for a lot of them. So uh, Alabama basketball is going to be just fine. But you do have to wonder at what point does a kid who's a graduate – who is a big deal, realize, hey, I can go somewhere bigger or I can go to an opportunity that's better for me, and this team is relying on him. So I think there's, I think there should be a cutoff. I don't know when it should be, but the fact that we're at this point and already some kid it, it might lose his spot because Javon Quinterly decides he doesn't want to play at Alabama anymore, I, you know, I, I think that's a little absurd. I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly uh, when the deadline is for the – uh, graduate transfers because obviously for the undergrad it was a few weeks ago when I 
saw him hit the portal uh, uh, initially I, I was thinking I didn't think this was loud but then the graduate part of it uh, came to light and, and, and that made sense you know it is a little interesting that they specify differences for graduates and and uh, and and undergrads you know I, I think that on the surface you can make an argument well you know you're a graduate you're in a, a slightly different circumstance you've earned something real in, in that in that degree and then if you're trying to pursue also post basketball opportunities with the grad school experience okay well, I can make an argument where there's some uh, some validity to that but also at the same time like for this basketball decision, you know, I'm not sure that it takes you a whole lot longer to figure it out just because you're a graduate. I mean, again, I know that this, there's a school part of it, but we are in mid-June, late June, and uh, I don't know that a lot of people are still trying to figure out college decisions for the month of August at, at this point. Some right. may some may be. Some may be very low on options at this point, but I, it, it feels like it is maybe just kind of a pat on the back and kind of a acknowledgement of you've done something to be proud of and graduating here's a little extra uh perk to that uh to give you a little more time uh but but certainly as we get to late june and now there is no there's really no form of spring ball to the degree there is for football there are some workouts in the summer we've seen teams it's now popular every what four years or five years teams get to go on cross cross world trips if they so choose auburn did it recently obviously to israel so it's something that you can do but it's still fewer and far between than, than what we're familiar with with the spring football concept and how everybody does that for a month plus leading up to some sort of spring scrimmage and so i i for that part of it you know there it makes sense that football kind of drags for a few months because you get to go through a whole little section of what's going to be your next year and it affirms or or you know maybe changes your thought on where you are in the depth chart and you still even in the month of april or the month of may you still have what i don't know three months four months depending on if it's actual april may until the season gets going and you really get into it in the, in the month of august whereas basketball you get into it only about a month later yeah so if i'm trying to think quickly here you're getting at least till the end of June. I don't know when the exact deadline is. I'm going to assume it's end of June or 1st of July, something like that for postgraduates. And so you're still talking about a scenario where, I don't know, it's about two months, maybe three, until you actually convene with your teams for the fall and you, you get going towards the year. So it's a little less time. It's not a, a night and day difference. I don't know. I'm just, just talking it out a little bit. Um and I don't know if there's an arbitrary number we could come up with and say, well, this is not enough time to build a team yeah. or not enough time. You know, I, I I don't want to say that the outrage – or I don't know if there's a lot of outrage, but if it would be fake outrage if there is or or, or that sort of thing. Because, again, uh, I still feel a couple months, three months is a, a good chunk of time. But uh, it is worth thinking about. I, I think that some of these deadlines happen really fast. You have the draft go come and go, and yet you still can change teams if you're in college, whereas the guys that uh, were in college are now on a professional team. Like That part of it kind of feels weird, that college guys are getting longer to make decisions than the guys that actually went pro. Uh, so I, 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 if anything, I might move both deadlines up a couple of weeks. I might say that maybe 
uh, mid-May. Because we, we think about, hey, the season ends in 1st of April. Well, it, it ends for four teams. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it ends for two or four teams. I mean, 300-something teams are gone well before we get to April. So if you move it up two weeks, okay, that's five or six weeks for the last four teams to decide. But that's still five or six weeks. So I could see something where it's mid-May and mid-June. That way, before the draft, we can make all college basketball decisions. I think that would be maybe the most sensical. But um, I don't know. I like to try, because if we're going to say that this is too late in the process, I want to at least come up with a scenario as to how we could change it. So, again, I think if you just slid it up to the middle of June and the middle of May, and that way we can still give graduates an opportunity to have a, a special case for them uh, to be, you know, they've been at it for a while and they've gotten their degree and that's something to be proud of. And it's a little perk there that they can wait a little bit longer to make a decision. But at the same time, we don't have this weird circumstance where we're middle of the summer still having team players change. And I don't know when he'll make his decision. He might make his decision tomorrow, but it might drag on for a few more weeks. And then you're talking about uh, a decision being made just, at that point, weeks before the season. So, uh, to be clear, this is not a criticism of, of Quinterly or anything like that. This is just a hey. Is we'll get into that later. Uh, is there a uh, is there a is there a rule that again the NCAA should be a little bit more thoughtful about? And in most cases, when you think about the NCAA and should their rules be more thoughtful, the answer is yes. Usually, their rules are not <laughs> are not thoughtful enough. Uh, so that would be where I would go with that. We will. Bring this back up a little bit later. We'll go with the Quinterly side of things and where he fits in and uh, that sort of thing. But for now, let's go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing today? Fine. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brent. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Fine. Hey, how's you guys' game going so far? Yeah, we haven't played yet. Uh, we we had a uh, a game moved back. Uh, we we were supposed to start the season last Tuesday, and they told us like last Sunday that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, the season has not yet started. Well, I got a couple of questions for you guys. First, let me start off with the uh, what do you guys think about Carrion uh, Johnson joining the uh, I think the S U S F U A H Yeah. What do you guys think about Kieran Johnson joining that staff? Yeah, he's uh he's what the director of player relations for North Alabama. I want to say UNA, UNA, yeah, yeah, yeah North for North Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for Carrion. He joins um, Deshaun Davis, who's uh, a defensive assistant on that staff right now. So he's. I, I think it's a big opportunity for Carrion. I our buddy Trevon Reed started in the same position, even though Trevon started at Auburn and Carrion's going through uh, North Alabama. But I think it's a great way if he wants to get into the coaching world to get his feet wet and uh, see how a big time college or see how a college football program operates. What do you think about it, Ryan? Yeah, no, I mean, I would I would echo what Brent said there. I mean, a lot of guys got to get start somewhere, and some of that when you play longer in the league and you get to an older age, you get to start up the ladder a little bit more in some cases. But for carry on, you know, being still in his twenties and and still having a good deal to learn about the coaching side of things. It makes sense that he starts kind of on a lower level, kind of close to home. He's from Madison Academy, which is up that way in North Alabama, so it's it's not far at all 
uh, from where he he's from, and so I think that's a great opportunity for him. And obviously, if he does well, he'll have a lot of time to grow and a lot of time to move his way up the chain. Well, he kind of sounds like me, like with me with my decision about doing swimming through twenty twenty six. But I was thinking last last night, and I, it, that was really really hard. And I told you guys this before, and um, I don't know, like. And then you put you guys in like my position and in, in my shoes and um so if you were me and like you didn't you didn't been spending special for thirty two years, okay? And so you so you talk to your swim coach, you say, Okay, I'm gonna do like do four more years and do twenty twenty six and so I can get so I can get qualified for our nationals. But like I said, I was like I was I was about to cry last night, and like I was making like a big decision. I said, if I make if I, am I making a big mistake? And like when I talked to my coach and said, okay, I'm going to do 2026. But like I said, I've been doing it for 30 years, and I was thinking about if I talk to my coach, he's going to see if I can be like a volunteer swim coach. Yeah, you know, Matt, I, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it forever because it's always going to hold true. Winning doesn't get old. If you're still doing it at a level that you feel you're performing at a high enough level, then, yeah, I'd say absolutely keep doing it. But uh, the good news is you don't have to commit for four years at a time. You know, you can start one year, and uh, as soon as that year is done, you can just, you can take the next offseason to decide whether or not you want to do it the next year. Yeah, like, well... Uh, Brent, what do you think? Yeah, that was Brent. I just gave that answer, yeah. Come on, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think you, you've got more of a Tom Brady-type decision of, of uh, having done it for such a long time and and figuring out if you want to keep doing it. And, and as you get a little bit older, you kind of have to make it more of a year-by-year decision. And, look, if, it, if you love doing it and you feel that you can still do it on some level that you deem to be acceptable, then I think you should keep doing that because – uh, I tell you, this is a, it's still a different example, but uh, you know, once me, the lesser talented athlete, gets out of high school, there's not a lot of opportunities anymore. I mean, we, we do the intramurals and we do some fun rec league softball stuff, but at the end of the day, would I have killed to keep playing basketball or baseball? Absolutely, but I wasn't good enough to. So if you feel that you can keep doing that at a level you're comfortable with, I think you should keep doing it. Well, it, it's like like I'm saying, it's kind of scary, and like I don't know if I made the right decision. Like I said, I was about to cry last night, and it's really it's like it, it's kind of scary. And but I want to help. I want to help other swimmers on the swim team be fast. But here's the other questions: What do you guys think about the uh, coach that Bama hired for baseball, and then Auburn got? A football player from Georgia uh, for I think for 2025, and then what do you guys think about the player for softball that Auburn got for uh, Maryland? How's that going to work? And then for I was looking at the football for the first team, the second team, and third team. So what do you guys think about that? Start off with the. Um, 
the coach that Bama got for baseball. Yeah, I think Bama promoted from within. Uh, they no, they did it. They uh, hired Maryland's coach, I believe. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah he's, had one big uh, Big Ten coach of the year. Yeah, before. I think that's a really good yeah. hire for them. Uh, going outside of the conference and and picking up a guy who's who's got a proven track record. Anytime you can bring in a guy who has multiple conference championships to his name, then you know you're doing something right. Um, I don't think Auburn got a football player from Georgia. They did get a baseball player who was committed to Georgia, is actually the son of a Georgia coach. Uh, and he's going to come in, and I think he's a catcher. Uh, so he's going to come to Auburn. He said he got, got to Auburn's campus and uh, really liked it. So a, a big deal there. And I can't remember the kid's name, but uh, a, a big-time recruit. And like I said, uh, it, getting a kid who is the son of a Georgia coach, that's a big deal. So, yeah, and, like, so, and then Auburn got a player from uh, UA, uh, UAB, uh, the University of Alabama, Birmingham. They got him, and then Auburn got. What do you guys think about that? And then Auburn got a softball player from Maryland. Yeah, That's so what? so they got. Uh, yeah, they actually got two uh, baseball transfers from UAB. They got a pitcher and a hitter. The pitcher was one of UAB's best, if not their best uh, pitcher. He had a mid threes ERA, and their hitter uh, was hitting near three hundred and uh, had a, a good college career. Had a double digit home run season, I believe, the year before last. And then as for uh, Auburn softball, they've got uh, a couple players, and uh, including one from, I believe, DePaul, uh, who hit over 300 as a catcher, also played some other positions, but uh, had double-digit home runs and was on the first team uh, all Big East. So uh, she seems like a, a ter- terrific hitter. Obviously, Auburn will need some of that after they've lost a couple of their best hitters from this past year. So any girl that's hitting around 300, got double-digit home run power, no matter the conferences, is someone that would be coveted at this point. And what do you guys think about the first team, second team, and the third team for football? And then I got a quote I want to say something about James, and then I want to do some trivia. Uh, the first, second, and third team for for Auburn, like the depth chart. Uh, yes, it's like it was like Devon Hunter. Made, I think he made like the first the first team, and then the running back made the third team. Oh, like yeah. a preseason all-SEC selection? I don't think those have come out yet. Those come out officially uh, with SEC media days in the middle of July. Yeah, and I want to make a quote. Uh, James was telling me, I heard he was saying, I know the the different times of Central Time and Florida and California. Well, I'm not trying to be mean. I know the difference at times. Because there are some people that are from California, so like the games listening, I don't like to be incorrected, and I know the, dip, the times and games and stuff of that. I might try to be mean or anything, but I just don't like to be overturned. You guys see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think uh, he was. Uh, he he was uh, just trying to get uh, to get the schedule right. He didn't. I don't think he was trying to. Um, but just... I, I, I look at this, I look at the schedule too, and I I, right. I understand. But I just don't like when someone like if I'm saying something and I don't quite understand. They say they look at the schedule too. That kind of makes me feel kind of. It kind of hurts me, and it kind of like um, makes me feel uncomfortable. 
I'm not trying to be mean. I just, just saying. I know you are, and and I I guarantee he wasn't either. We just a kind of a, a misunderstanding there. Yeah, and the trophy I want to do is probably um, how about the um, haven't done to how about you have movie you have like movie um. Yeah, we could do. Uh, do you want current movies, or do you want uh, movies from from a certain decade? Or hmm. let's see. How about I done basically baseball? I done. I done. I done. Uh, I'll do the uh, uh, movies. I'll do like uh, you said. You have what kind of movies now? I was just asking if you wanted movies that were more recent, like from this year, or you wanted older movies. Uh, can I do probably do both? Yeah, we only have time for uh, one or two, Matt. So you got to uh, pick uh, one. Movies from this year. Movies from this year. Okay. Do you know which movie has made the most money in 2023 at the box office? The most money. I'm hoping that I get this right because I just seen this movie. I would have to go with the um, the new Little Mermaid. Uh, that is up there. That is number five, uh, but uh, it is not quite number one. This one came out kind of the beginning of this year, and it's based off a legendary video game. Video game. Oh, it's not Mario Brothers. Yes, it is. No, it is. It is the Super Mario Brothers. It's made the most money in the world this year. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's made a, a lot of money in the U.S. It's made five hundred and seventy-three million. So it's been in- impressive. Uh, hey, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so like, you guys need like when next time I call, like uh, who's who's Michelle? Is uh, that that is Tom's girlfriend. Okay. Well, hey, I like to, like, next time, I like to, like, if she is, there, if she is there on the show. Yeah, she will not be on the show. She, that was a one, that was just a one-time thing. Oh, man, I was going to some trivia. Gotcha. Well, if she ever does come back, we'll let you know. But it's that's the first time she's been in here in, in a long time. Hey, what position she playing in you guys' team? She, she's not on the team. She's just a, uh, she's a, she's a supporter. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, we well, got to let you go, Matt. So, final thoughts well, for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, well, my time's up. I can do the cheer for you guys. Sounds uh, good. If, if you guys, if, have you guys, is like, a, have you guys talked to uh, Javon Reed? Or do you guys know where you go to get Bruce Pearl or on the show? Yeah, again, I think it would be much closer to basketball season if we were to get someone like Coach Pearl. Then we'll be talking to Trevon uh, down the road in a few weeks, maybe, and try and get him on. All right. Are you guys ready for this year? Absolutely. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey! Hey! Beat Bama. 101, two, three. Three. Booyah! Booyah! Field and stuff. Hey, if you guys see Brooks, so I say he's he. I'm not gonna fire me. They charge him anything. Okay. 
It will be nice because it's all the 4th of July. Absolutely. And, and hey, but I was going to tell you, my friend Jerry came to Sun School yesterday. Uh huh. The one that lost his sister. Uh huh. Got anything into him and stuff, but, but like, and stuff, but hey, I'll talk to you guys next Monday and, um, and, uh, Brent, behave. And I asked my mom, can I come to watch you guys on Tuesday? And she said she didn't know yet. But, um, I wish you guys all the good luck. And when I find out from my swim meets and stuff like that, I'll try to email you or something like that. Or if you guys see me around, I could probably give you a copy of, of you guys and maybe drop it off the radio station or something like that. Sounds good, Matt. War Eagle, buddy. War Eagle. See you, Brent. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate Matt for calling in on Mondays, as he always does. We are going to go to our first time out in the show. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401. Or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brent Daughtry with you here on this Monday. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good at War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, um, I'm going to just... Um, actually come out and uh, say that I'm actually sorry for what I said about, you know, my best friend Matt. I do apologize on my end, on the inconvenience on that, because um, one thing is that when the schedule comes out um, every year for Auburn's uh, football season, um, we, at the Auburn fans, we don't know, like, when there's, like, a new season coming out, and they have like the the time schedules, and some of the schedules they don't have the, the they don't like when there's the time slot. They we don't know what what time we're going to be able to play or what uh, network we're actually going to be playing on. So, I mean, you know, it it, it's been it can happen like sometimes. That. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it can happen. 
but you know the Auburn fans we don't know what what you know we we just show up to a game and sometimes some of the games might be like at uh some of the games I've been to in the past some of them were like at 12 some of them at 1 some of them at 2 some of them can be at uh, 4 or 5 5:30 in the e- 5 o'clock in the evening and you know that that throws you know other slots other schedules in that time slot you know back a, a few hours or so yeah, sometimes that happens. So uh, I told Matt that again. Uh, he, I think he understands, and it was just misunderstanding. And I think we're all good. We're all good. Yeah, because I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm just gonna, you know, say that you know, if if um, you know, we we can actually uh, be good friends, and if Matt wants to, you know, hang out sometime, hey, I, I'm I'm more than welcome to, you know, to invite him out, you know, somewhere, you know. If I'm in Auburn, you know, we can, you know, sit and, um, you know, talk and I can, uh, you know, get him to, you know, be like a, a true Auburn fan as well. Yeah, I think he already is a, a true Auburn fan, but I think you guys could uh, could have some uh, some great stories about what it's like to be a true Auburn fan and and uh, go, going to all these games over the years and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I've been – uh, I've been to so many games, and I've actually seen uh, some games in person for a long time, and I've actually seen historic games actually going all the way back to 2007, 2008, and uh, seeing some great games in, in Jordan-Hare Stadium as well. Absolutely. Well, uh, how was your weekend, James? Oh, my weekend was amazing. I am so excited to tell you all that my Birmingham Stallions last night, we have made it our second championship this year in 2023. That is a huge, huge record for the city of Birmingham as well. Yeah, I actually got to watch some of that game, uh, I believe, it, what was it, uh, last night. And uh, it was a, a beatdown. Birmingham looked great. And uh, you're right, the Stallions are going back to Canton, Ohio, and I think they've got the Pittsburgh Maulers for the championship. So another big win for Birmingham to get back to the championship game. Yes, as well. And then I actually, when I was watching that game, I was listening to some former Auburn players I've actually known that was playing for the Birmingham Stallions as well. Uh, the quarterback, uh, uh, Alex, uh, Alex Magoo, played for Auburn, if I'm correct. He actually, I think he went to Florida, Florida International. I think he went to FIU. So this part of the country, but not quite Auburn. Yeah, so I know there were some Auburn players on, on Birmingham Stallions uh, roster that played at Auburn. I think it was like two or three that they said uh, at, you know, during that game last night. I think they said only two. Sure, very possible. Uh, I'm not exactly sure with the full roster and – had that game on uh, on mute actually because I had the two TV setup go and had the NASCAR race on the other TV with the volume on, but uh, very possible. I'm just uh, not aware of anyone that was playing a lot. Yes, and then um, after that game was over, I um, I was actually going to be looking at some NASCAR racing, and believe it or not, um, uh, one of my favorite drivers in my fantasy. Uh, NASCAR uh, lineup actually won in Nashville. I think that was uh, Ross Chastain, if I'm yes, mistaken. Yes, that is exactly who won 
Sunday night uh, in Nashville, snapping like a 42-race winless streak. Yeah, so I did have him in my uh, fantasy uh, NASCAR fantasy lineup, so I did win that one, so I'm very happy of that as well. And then I um, then later on that Sunday night, I get I got to see my Dallas Wings almost trying to make a comeback in LA, but they could not they could not do it. So I'm just going to see how they're going to bounce back this time around when they go to uh, play Chicago. I, I mean, not Chicago, but uh, the the uh, Mercury, the uh, Phoenix Mercury as well. That's our next game that we play. So um, I'm going to be looking at uh, the roster and seeing if um, if we had key injuries. And then I know that Brittany Griner, she will not be playing due to a hip injury from what I was uh, told um, over the weekend when I was watching uh, the WNBA uh, coverage of next week's game as well. So Brittany Griner will not be able to play in this week's game or the All-Star game as well due to a uh, hip injury as well. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's news to me. I, I I'm not uh, I've not been following it. I know the Mercury have not had a good season, and I know she was voted an All Star, but I, I I don't know her current injury status. But I know that, as you said, the Wings did have a close loss, but maybe they'll get back on track because again the Mer- Mercury have not had a good year. Yes, yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be looking at Wednesday. Um, I'm looking at the 2023. NHL hockey draft and uh, seeing uh, some great teams, some great players that are going to be drafted uh, for the NHL and uh, seeing who the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights will actually pick because I know they're the Stanley Cup playoff champion. So that will be like the first round of the uh, 2023 NHL hockey draft. So I'm just going to see who they're going to pick as well because I know there's a lot of great guys out there from you know, from great colleges to have a great uh, hockey uh, background in some of these colleges as well. Yeah, it's pretty crazy some of the schools that are, are great at hockey, a lot of them in the north, no surprise there, but then also some small schools, uh, schools that uh, are not really playing high-level Division One sports in, in other cases. And so uh, it's always interesting to see where some of these guys are from, and you're right, the draft will start on Wednesday, and it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yes, and then on July the I'm actually in the month of July. I'm actually going to be watching the SEC Media Days and seeing uh, what Greg Sankey is actually going to be saying because I know he's always uh, bringing up you know great ideas for the SEC Nation, and um, I'm actually going to be listening to the commissioner and seeing what what will the SEC look like in in the near future as well with expansions from eight teams to twelve with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC and uh, seeing uh, some future games that are going to be added in the near future and some great uh, locations for the SEC to actually be played at as well. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting time in Nashville, and and hopefully we'll get more clarity on the future, although I know that they'll have to play out this season and and another season until they really get the full format going for 2025 and beyond. But be interesting to see – Uh, Not only Greg Sankey's comments or hear not only Greg Sankey's comments, but also hear from the other coaches and kind of get an outlook on where everyone stands on the schedule dilemma and some of the big items facing the league. Yes, that's well. And then I'm actually counting down the days to uh, the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony and the game as well and seeing 
uh, a brand new Aaron Rodgers. Um, I know he's going to be playing with his new team with the uh, New York uh, the New York Jets. So I'm going to be watching that game as well and uh, seeing you know some great history uh, with these two teams. I think it's the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. So these are really two good teams. They've been playing for years and years, and they have so many great um, Hall of Famers from both teams as well. So this is going to be um, an amazing night for the month of August and uh, seeing some great uh, players that I've actually looked up to as an as a NFL fan and uh, seeing some of these uh, names being called in uh, Canton, Ohio as well. Do you think Aaron Rodgers will be good on the Jets? Um, it, it could be a possibility. I've been hearing about it all this week and all last week. Well, last week I've been hearing about it, and I've talked to a lot of people that are uh, Jets fans, and they were saying that Aaron Rodgers he's not like the he's not like the he's not like a good fit for the Jets. So I'm I'm just gonna like disagree with a lot of people on that one. So I think. With Aaron Rodgers, have one Super Bowl win under his belt with the Green Bay Packers. I think this would be Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, time to actually make the Jets actually go to the Super Bowl as well. So I think the Jets, uh, since, since, uh, Joe Namath years, uh, that, that was a good, well, I wouldn't remember, but that was a good year. Uh, for me as being a, uh, a NFL historian, cause I, I've seen so many highlights from the years past and, uh, getting to see some of these great, uh, highlights from, from these teams as well. Who will the Jets play in the Super Bowl? Um, well, actually, I would have to say I will roll my dice and I'm looking at the New York Jets will play against the Dallas Cowboys. I would love to see those two teams actually play in the Super Bowl as well because I think Dak Prescott, he's working with some with, with a uh, a high talented Hall of Famer from the Cowboys as well. I think um, I think he was uh, on Twitter. I think he was saying that he was trying to get like uh, key point pointers from um, Roger Starback. So I think he's going to be a good. Uh, you know, a great uh, mentor to Dak Prescott. And I'm going to actually tweet out to Dak Prescott and just tell him, just take one game at a time and um, just, you know, don't worry about the Super Bowl. It will come to you and just, you know, focus on on your team as well because that's all that matters as well. Yeah, the team is very important, and that is a matchup, most importantly, that can work in the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll we'll see if something like that happens. Final thoughts for us today, James? Um, well, actually, before I go, I would like to have 50s movie trivia as well. 50s, 1950s. Uh, that's going to take a second for us to figure that out. As I admittedly, I like movies a lot, but uh, I don't know a lot of movies from 1950s. So I took a, a film studies class in college, and I had to watch like Casablanca and stuff like that. So, so there's a chance Brant Brant knows some things. I. I yeah, that was three or four years ago. So, huh? yeah, uh, uh, let's let's, okay. let's figure this out here. Um, you, you threw us off, James. Usually, we get a day to prepare for this, so we're <laughs> trying to trying to get this together for you. All right, I've got a I've got a good one. Uh, okay. What classic film from the nineteen fifties 
was about a romantic tale of a cocker spaniel and a downtown mutt. Oh, I know this one. This is one of my childhood movies. I watched this as a kid, and I still watch this to this day. Um, I think this will be is produced by Disney, because I know Disney used to do an animated series, and now they're thinking about doing a remake on this animated classic from 1989 uh, movie. Um, I think it's Lady and the Tramp. That is correct. From uh, 1955, Lady and the Tramp. Very nice. Uh, I'm trying to figure out one more here for you. I usually like to give you two. Uh, Brant, you, Brant, you got anything over there? I'm looking. Hang on. Where, uh, right. Oh, you got one. Okay, the, Brant's got one. The 1950s movie Sayonara is set in which country? Mm. Oh, Sayonara. I've seen this movie... So many times. Sayonara. I think this move, this is in a country. It's in a, um, I'll actually have to say it's not in Paris. It's not in Paris so, or in France either. So I'll, hmm? Nothing. You're right. It's not in Paris. I know it's not in France. I know it's not in Italy. It is not a um, European country. This country is not in Europe. Okay, so I have to go. Um, oh, this is one of my favorite countries I would love to visit. Um, I would actually have to get like a hint. It is in Asia. It is an Asian country. Mm, I know it's not in Japan. Yes, it is. It's in Japan. Oh, yes. Yes. I was actually... I was absolutely right as well. That's one of my favorite countries I would love to put on my bucket list as well. Okay, I didn't know you were a big Japan guy, but congrats on that. You uh, you went two for two there. Yes, as well. And uh, one of my favorite uh, 1950s movies that i actually been watching for so many, many years, and I still watch this. I had the DVD box set. Um, I know you were in college, and I know you've uh, done film school. So one of my favorite movies, I still watch it to this day, is called Casablanca. I love it. Yeah, Casablanca, great movie, an all-time classic for a reason, um, and, you know, a, one of the best movies ever made, really. Yes, that's all. And then uh, this coming up on July the 29th, I'm actually going to the movies for the first time ever. To actually go see the brand new Barbie movie. I love it. I love um, seeing it. It has great... Uh, they, they did the cast really good. Uh, they actually have my my uh, favorite uh, female actress that played um, Harley Quinn. She's really amazing. I love her work. And Yeah, Mar Margot she's Robbie. Really, she's fantastic, for sure. Yeah, she's, she's a fantastic actress, and I uh, love her work. And... Uh, uh, Suicide Squad, and maybe I'll see her in some other uh, Marvel action movies as well. Yeah, uh, DC right there, but certainly certainly possible. we got to let you go today, James. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank. Phone line one. Ryan, Ryan Gosling and uh, Margot Robbie. It's a star-studded cast. It is a power duo right there. Uh, one quick note that Casablanca is from 1942, so just, just prior to the 1950s, just Wanted to throw that one out there, but uh, good job on trivia by James. That will do it 
For hour number one, coming up in hour number two, birthdays and sports, more on uh, Transfer Portal, more on, well, really, for the first time, something on the 2024 SEC basketball schedule for Auburn, also some baseball coming up. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two is Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday. Moving right along on this Monday show. Again, reminder... Towards the end of the show, we'll have best and worst of the weekend, as we always do. Let's get into it here in hour number two. Birthdays and sports will be coming up a little bit, but I want to start the second hour beginning to talk a little bit about the 2024 slate for Auburn men's basketball, particularly the SEC schedule, which dropped today. Again, we don't know the order of things. We don't know how it'll be clumped together and and that sort of thing. Again, you can deduce that it's going to run from late December to the 1st of March, but don't know the order of everything yet. So go through these home games and away games for Auburn. Again, a reminder that the permanent home and home, so the teams that Auburn always plays twice, and Justin Ferguson broke this down really good on Twitter, at JFergusonAU. He's going to be on the show with us tomorrow for a little while. Uh, Ferg broke it down really well. Permanent home at home. You got Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. It happens all the time. We've been doing that for a long time. We've been doing the, oh, Kermit Davis, he's cooked <laughs> up a scheme. Team's not as good, but oh, no. You know, here we go. Now it's going to be Chris Beard, but we've been doing that for a while. Obviously, Alabama and Georgia have been playing twice. The rotational home and home. So home and homes this time will be Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, two of the lower teams in the SEC. Vandy obviously went on a run towards the end of last year, and State's been okay. They've not been bad. They've been tournament bubble a couple of times now under Chris Jans. Uh, so that will happen both in Starkville and in Auburn and both in Nashville and in Auburn. Only home, so teams that Auburn will play once and only in Neville Arena. Kentucky, which is the big one, LSU, South Carolina, Texas A&M. The only road teams. Okay, so only playing them once, and it's only away from Neville Arena. At Arkansas, at Florida, 
at Missouri, at Tennessee. I have a, a pretty, I feel, obvious opinion here. Um, but, Brant, open it to you. Your thoughts on the schedule and what you like or don't like. I really like this schedule. I mean, I, you get Kentucky at home, right? That's going to be your biggest regular season game that's not against a rival. Um, and, and that's kind of butting into a rivalry uh, with, with how often these two play each other now. But uh, the Kentucky game at home, I think it's a blessing to get them at home. Um, you look at the away games. At Arkansas is going to be tough. At Florida is going to be tough. Uh, at Tennessee is always going to be tough. Uh, but you get Missouri on the road. So that's that's it. I think that's a road game that you should win. You should be expected to win that one. Now we've we'll talk, we've hammered at home a million times and we will continue to do so. Anytime you go on the road in college basketball, it's nothing is guaranteed. But from a pure talent perspective, you'd like to win that game. Uh, I think this is a favorable schedule. Honestly, I think Auburn should look to have a big year. You know, And obviously it depends on what Auburn can do and who comes back after this upcoming season. But, yeah, I, I really like this schedule. I like the way it shakes out. I think you've got some really interesting matchups, particularly at home. Um, yeah, I li- I, overall, I like it. I think, it's, I think you benefit from playing Vanderbilt twice. <laughs> sure. I mean, I think that there, there's two layers of difficulty here. One, making it less difficult for Auburn. One, which I think makes it clearly more difficult for Auburn. But we'll start with... The lesser difficulty is you have two teams that you rotate through playing twice, okay? Uh, and you already know you play Bama, Georgia, Ole Miss. Look, Georgia's not a good place right now as a basketball program. Ole Miss, I think they will be good very soon, but if there were going to be one year where they would still be a little bit behind, it would be this year. I do think Beard will get them good, though, but we'll see. Now, again, trip uh, for Alan Flanagan back to, to Neville Arena and um, playing on the road always tough. It's not there. It's it's not going to be. I'd be very surprised if they went like thirteen and eighteen like a Kermit Davis team. Uh, yeah, last year they they might not be tournament yet, but they'll they'll be trending the right direction. They'll be above five hundred, but still in the lighter end of things. Uh, the rotational home and home though, that's the easier part of this to have Mississippi State and Vanderbilt twice. Those are games that you just simply do not expect to lose at home. Period. Uh, and then on the road, you will have opportunities to win those games. Now, Auburn lost a, a heartbreaker late in Nashville last year. Uh, they have had some very physical games with Mississippi State, and I expect that to continue under Chris Jans. So, again, not promising you road victories, and I'm certainly not doing that. Oh, I don't know, eight months before the game will take place. Right. Uh, but certainly, again, in a vacuum, two of the bottom half teams reliably in the league or at least teams maybe in the middle at best so the difficult part for me though is your only schedule your only home and your only road i think if you flipped it it would be easier when you look at the only home it's going to be incredibly exciting to play kentucky for sure and that's a game you want to have at home it is very difficult difficult to play at rupp arena but lsu south carolina those two teams are definitely struggling right now. I mean, South Carolina was bad last year, and they had a really good player in Gigi Jackson, and and they still were not particularly good at all. LSU is trying to rebuild immensely after the failures of Will Wade and and um, his management of of resources and scholarships <laughs> and that sort of thing. And Man- management <laughs> of resources is a great way to put. He was cheating. <laughs> And sloppily so. <laughs> Very politically correct way, I guess. Uh, after um, after everything that went down at LSU and they lost really their whole team, 
they are still on the men's, and there's no proof that uh, what is it McMahon is that the the head coach of LSU? Yes, uh, yes. There's no proof that he will ultimately be a great head coach. He might, but there's no proof right now. Uh, and then Texas a and that is a, a fair team to get home. They're also, like, the least scared to go play at Neville Arena of, like, any of the teams in the league, uh, aside from maybe Alabama. But, I mean, they, they have had uh, success with Buzz Williams, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- whereas the road games, Arkansas is tough no matter where you play them. I think that kind of cancels out the Kentucky element. We'll see how everyone ranks in the preseason. Kentucky's doing its whole, let's get every five-star that exists. And Arkansas got every transfer portal guy that yeah, existed. Did. So that I think both teams will have high expectations for different reasons. But that, to me, is kind of a wash. Okay, Florida versus LSU. If I took that 1v1. I think playing at Florida is more difficult than playing at LSU, even though Florida is not that different of a team right now. Auburn has had just no fun in Gainesville, Florida, trying to play basketball games. They've had zero fun. I, I don't forgot what the record is, but it's it's bad. And, and granted, this is a different period of Auburn basketball. This period is one of, if not the most successful periods. Obviously, it needs to stretch out longer before it becomes more successful than, than the Sonny Smith days. But it is right now a pound for fa- pound for pound. Excuse me, going up against any period, it, it needs to go longer. But that being said, no success at Florida really in any period of time, and certainly not for a long time. So that feels more intimidating to me if both teams are the same, which I think they will be. Maybe Florida's a scotch better, but if they are the same, I would rather play at LSU in an environment that gets uh, very non-sporty and non-intimidating versus a Florida environment where they're always right on top of you and they're ch- yelling for three and just like <laughs> – it's interesting Lowering that their we're, arms near the cord, and it's interesting that we're describing an LSU environment as not particularly hostile. Right. <laughs> Again, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, certainly not for referring to football, but uh, in the basketball side of things, and then Missouri versus South Carolina. You know, a couple of years ago, would have said dead wash. Missouri had been bad. South Carolina had been bad. But Missouri did have a sliver of hope last year with Dennis Gates opening up uh, a quality team last year that made the tournament. Now. They lose Kobe Brown. They, I think they lost some other stuff. I, I don't know how the roster will look, and I'm quite honestly, for a couple more months, not in game plan mode for telling you how <laughs> how to approach the the season from who's going to be good and not. But Opponent I can, previews will be back next football season. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that for the basketball side of things, if you're looking at what happened last year, Missouri was clearly better than South Carolina. It was not close, and therefore you would rather play Missouri at home than South Carolina. And then finally with Texas A&M and Tennessee, again, A&M had a solid year last year. They obviously beat Auburn twice in the regular season. They came to Neville in a very rare circumstance. was able to beat Auburn, whereas Tennessee – Again, a team that continues to disappoint a little bit in March. They are perennially a regular season, really good team in the SEC. They are perennially better than Texas A&M. So I say all that to say that I think that all of those are a wash, if not more difficult on the road teams. If you're just taking the teams at face value, it's a little more difficult if you add in the environments which Auburn will be going to, Bud Walton Arena, again, uh, down in Gainesville. I think it's called Exitech Arena or whatever it is right now. I don't know. And then uh, and then at uh, Thompson Bowling, you know that those environments are tougher than if you were to go to Pete Maravich Assembly Center with a average to below average LSU team or really South Carolina basketball ever 
<laughs> you know, uh, so that would be the one part where I think it's more difficult for Auburn is is that if you if you flopped if you flipped I should say the the home and road schedules it would actually be better for you if you flipped them it would be easier than what you got. But again, this is not an overall complaint because when you've got five teams you're playing twice and only one of them I'm confident will make the NCAA tournament, that's mm. Alabama, that is still inherently favorable, and you're going to have one or two little things at the end. So I would have loved to have Arkansas at Neville Arena. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the biggest one, right, is having to go to Fayetteville for right. that game. That's going to be the biggest test. And I would have loved to have Tennessee, but you still get Kentucky, so you get something out of, that, out of those one-offs. And overall – I don't think it's a, a huge deal. Now, we did not have to go into, and I don't know when they will, but the SEC has not yet gone into what will happen when Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Texas join the league for basketball. That is also a conversation. It is not a conversation we will spend nearly as much time about as we did with the football side of things, but we will spend a moment on it right now. That will change the dynamic again for how often you – play or how many of your rivals you play so right now you play 18 sec games you play three teams permanently every single year twice and you rotate two for twice so right now you play five teams twice you play uh eight teams one time and that's how you get the 18 that's how you play everyone in the league at least once so you will then have to play 15 teams spread out over i assume 18 games they they in theory could go up 20 games i don't know I have not thought of all the ways in which the math works, but uh, they will have to play 15 teams over 18 games, assuming they don't change. And so quick math, what is that? Is that four teams twice and then 10 teams once? Nope, that's still 14 teams. I've still lacked a team. Is that three teams twice? So that's six, and then you've got to play 12 more? No. Anytime you get this, Anytime you get this many numbers off lying around, you lose me. I'll be totally honest yeah, with you. Yeah, math. I'm going to have to think of the math for a second. <laughs> but um, it will have to change in some way. It obviously, it was not going to operate the way it is now. Um, is your – let's say – I don't know. Let's say you have two or three rotating teams here. Obviously, you want to keep Alabama. Yeah. But I'm assuming that you're not as concrete about Georgia being another team you play twice. I, I want to play Georgia and Alabama and everything. Okay. And in sports where you have to play them more than once, I want to play both of them more than once. I, I think that's that just makes sense to me. And I've talked about it during the softball schedule too because Auburn softball doesn't play Alabama softball every year. Um, and, I, and I think they should. So in a sport where you have this many games, I think, yes, you should keep Alabama and Georgia. Now, okay. if you have to have a, a third or a fourth permanent opponent – we talked about the Mississippi schools. Everybody knows LSU. Uh, Kentucky is kind of a recent rivalry. But those those two, I think, are most important. Obviously, these rivalries not meaning as much in the sport of basketball as the SEC is just now figuring out that teams other than Kentucky can be good at it. Now, right. I, that's a little disingenuous towards Florida, who obviously had the run with Billy Donovan and, and Arkansas won a title in the 90s. But, but overall, this league has been viewed as one of the lesser power conference leagues until – recent time where you've had a, a, a wider array of teams make runs and make nationally relevant teams. Um, so I did the math while you were speaking, and three teams you would play twice. That re- That is six games. And then you have 12 teams yet, yet to play because it's three plus 12 is 15. Yes. You can't play yourself. So 12 times one is 12. 
12 plus 6 is 18. There's Makes math. Sense. Makes sense. And so you will have three teams, unless they move it up to 20 games, which, God, I'm not doing that right now. It's probably, <laughs> probably four. I don't know. If it's not in between five and three, that's four. Um, just put all of them into a random number generator and <laughs> right. just, hey, you're going here this week. So assuming they don't change the games, the amount of games you play, there will, there will be three teams that you play twice. Now, does that... Is that all the same? Is that three permanents, or is that one permanent and two rotating, or is it two permanent, one rotating? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I expect there to be at least one permanent, and I expect if you're Auburn, that is going to be Alabama. Um, as far as if there was a second or a third, look, I think you do have to consider Georgia for sure. The vitriol has clearly not the same, whereas Auburn and Alabama continue to have vitriol no matter what the sport. It's just the nature of of the in-state rivalry and how great it is. I, I think that for Auburn teams, it would make sense. Well, you know, it's tougher because Auburn doesn't have as robust of a history in basketball as it does football, but you could still argue the Georgia bit of it. I think you could always argue for either Mississippi school because of proximity. Right. I don't think Vandy makes sense. I don't think South Carolina would make any sense. A&M, look, they've been competitive, but still inherently not making a lot of I sense I don't want to see me. Buzz Williams more than I have to. <laughs> Um, Kentucky obviously would be intriguing. Now you start to think about who's who should Kentucky be playing. Yeah. I would assume. whoever whoever gets them twice every year is going to feel like they're getting screwed. Right. My inkling here's the one I would go with number two. That's uh, really good. I'd go Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, that has still made sense from uh, a, a period of time where they have obviously shared a division, so they've shared these other sports. Not now that divisions are going away, this will become less relevant over time, but it's still relevant in this time right now because we've not yet moved away from divisions. And there has been a rivalry there, or there has at least been hatred there that is starting the the beginnings of a rivalry. Either you begin with having great success and the two keep colliding, and that way you start to – feel some vitriol there or you just simply have chippiness and then you start to have um have a rivalry there and i think both has happened i think both teams yeah. have been good the last few years and there have been chippy occasions between the two the last few years so if i were to go with a second permanent behind alabama i'd go arkansas and then a third all things being equal which i think they start to become equal at that point then i'd fine with the georgia there at that point if you had a third but that's me spitballing i don't know and i have no idea really <laughs> if uh, what we're going to actually be looking at yeah the the thing that's important to remember is that our opinions don't really matter but we're we're here so we're going to give them uh yeah arkansas again like georgia's always going to be number 2 for me but i i like the idea of arkansas if you have to have a if you're going to have 3 because uh, like you said, I think Eric Musselman and Bruce Pearl, like those two get along. Their teams certainly do not. Right. Uh, and the fan bases certainly do not. And you have two of the, the more active and vocal fan bases too, especially when it comes to basketball. So I, I think that I think that Arkansas is a third or even a second if you're not willing to do it with Georgia. I think that's a great choice. It, it would just be interesting also the um, environment that Bud Walton has, the environment that Neville has – two of the top three or four environments, I believe, in the league yeah. uh, in basketball. So it would be interesting. Again, this could be null and void. This could be one permanent and two rotating, and it could, would just be Alabama, and then we'd see everyone else twice. But the, it's a different need for basketball because you've already kind of guaranteed you playing everybody. Like It's not like football where you don't see half the league. You, you do see the entire league here in basketball. And so it – 
to me feels a little less important who you play twice other than like the main one you got to play Alabama twice right uh there shouldn't be a time where you're playing anyone else more than that but you know everyone else whether you feel the need to have three constants or or you only have one constant again you play everybody once already so it's not like you just have nothing there each year yes you can bicker up oh we got to go to got to go to Bud Walton this year oh you got to go to Thompson Bowling this year well again we we just had a, a conversation about it and how difficult it become, but then it turns around the next year. So it's it's not like you don't get to repay that for a few years. So uh, that's interesting, though. Again, the 2023-2024 SEC opponents, technically just 2024, but there, there could be one December game, I suppose. Uh, coming out today from the SEC uh, that we just talked about right there, uh, of course, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it, I'm sure, at some point this week. We need to go to our next timeout. Birthdays and sports coming up next. to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday. Just chatting a little SEC basketballs. The 2023-24 SEC opponents came out earlier today. Again, not the order, not the, not the actual dates and times, but at least the opponents came out earlier today. If you missed that conversation, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, Taste the Feeling, and that Sports Call podcast is available on great platforms such as SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. Before we go any further in the show today, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports today. Very good list, starting out with Shannon Sharp, former NFL tight end. Played 14 seasons, primarily with the Denver Broncos. Regarded as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Ranks third in the, in the tight end receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Also the first NFL tight end to amass over 10,000 receiving yards. Drafted in the seventh round out of Savannah State. In, 19, no idea. <laughs> in 1990, he is a three-time Super Bowl champion, four-time first-team All-Pro, and eight-time Pro Bowler. 
His number two is retired by Savannah State. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Savannah State Tigers. There you go. And uh, he also has been on a show on FS1 with Skip Bayless, who he just now departed from. So he's been a pretty big deal in the media world post-career as well. Shannon Sharp turns 55 today. Michael Vick turns 43. Former NFL quarterback was drafted first overall in the 2001 NFL Draft out of Virginia Tech. Hokies. He is the NFL leader in quarterback rushing yards and was the league's first quarterback to rush for 1,000 yards in the season. Four-time Pro Bowler and winner of the NFL Comeback Player of the Year Award in 2010. Vic finished his career with over 22,000 passing yards, also finished with over 6,100 rushing yards. He's also a cheat code in a couple of the Madden video games. (laughs) Michael Vick turns 43 today. Derek G. Probably uh, like just when I started watching football is when Michael Vick was at the height of his powers in Atlanta. And you you liked it. I did like it. I did like it. (laughs) Uh, I I understand why. I like the video game (laughs) version of it too. Derek Jeter turned 49 today. Former shortstop for the New York Yankees. As a player, Jeter spent his entire 20-year career with the Yankees, considered one of the greatest shortstops of all time. Jeter's a five-time World Series champion, 14-time All-Star and World Series MVP, five-time Gold Glover, and five-time Silver Slugger Award winner, two-time AL Hank Aaron Award winner. His number two is retired by the New York Yankees and is a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. The captain, Derek Jeter, turns 49 today. And Rudy Gobert turns 31, center for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Originally from France, Gobert was selected 27th overall in the 2013 NBA Draft. He enjoyed a successful stint with the Utah Jazz. Over his career, he is a three-time All-Star, three-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year award winner, and a six-time All-Defensive First Team selection. Also, uh, notably, got COVID-19 to start the NBA (laughs) uh, downfall start 2020. After saying, oh, I'm not sick, and touching everything on the table. He <laughs> touched every microphone. It's so funny how it worked out. He's like, no, I'm fine. And then he was the he was the only guy to come out and say, hey, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And then he touched everything to be like, yeah, y'all see what y'all scared of. And then he got sick. Yeah. He was it, the first one that, to get sick. Is that an accolade help shut down the NBA? I don't know what it is. Not it's many things do that. It's uh, so funny. But Rudy Gobert turns 31 today and one more birthday today Peyton Thorne turns 22 current quarterback for the Auburn Tigers started his career at Michigan State from 2019 to 2022 had a 16-9 and record as a starter his best season came in 2021 where he helped lead Michigan State to an 11-1 record and route to a Peach Bowl victory this offseason Thorne announced he would be transferring to Auburn and I'm going to go ahead and break the news that if he had not transferred to Auburn he would not have been on today's birthdays in sports Amen but, well said but uh, Peyton Thorne <laughs> turns 22 today and those are the birthdays in sports a great list shannon sharp turns 55 michael vick 43 Derek jeter 49 rudy gobert 31 and peyton thorne 22 that was from kind of from all walks of life right there uh from the football world to baseball to basketball and to college it's a good good list right there we're gonna take our next time out of the show back with more sports call right after this
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday. Excited that tomorrow we should be having Justin Ferguson in studio for us. Yeah. With us for a little while. Also tomorrow, opening day for the Thunder Chickens. It's the long-awaited opening day. Can we win a game on the field? I think we have it this year. I I think we've got it this year. I, I want to go down to the fields for the 6.30 game so I can start to see if there's anyone that's <laughs> kind of more our speed. And you see, the thing is, you never know because that first opponent or two that night, that that could be the one that you could have won. Yeah, We played someone early last year that was in the lower side of things, and we lamented the fact that it was like, man, we just weren't ready for the season because that felt winnable. And yep. We maybe I think led that was, after a couple innings and ended up losing by five yeah, or six. I think that was the game I was I I start that was the first game I pitched was that game that we were talking about right now and I walked like seventeen people and that's why we <laughs> lost. And I, I maybe it was worse maybe we lost by seven or eight but I I don't know it was it was the most competitive game we'd had of the year until the playoff game in which we had the winning run on base right. in the final at bat. So uh, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that with Ferg uh, tomorrow. <laughs> And uh, that's going to be fun. He's, we'll, he's going to love that. Right, right. We'll he's talk some so serious stuff. We will talk serious <laughs> stuff. We will also talk about that. We'll be excited about it. Um, all right. Uh, as we continue on with the show today, coming up in hour number three, we'll talk a little Braves. We'll talk some Major League Baseball after another big series win for the Bravos, playing a red hot Reds team. So we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that. That's a weird thing to say. So we'll talk about that in hour number three. Also, best and worst of the weekend. Spend a little bit more time on the basketball side of things. Where, um, again, Javon Quinterly transferring or hit, hitting the portal last night uh, from Alabama after three years on the court, four years overall at Alabama. Guy that had gone through the draft process, didn't like what he heard. Not a big surprise there. Uh, and then comes back only to transfer. I think this derives out of guys like Sears coming back, some of the transfers they have. I don't see how he would have started again next year. He would yeah. have been the similar role where they would have played him a lot, but you know, if, if he wasn't playing well, he wasn't just going to guarantee to keep going out there all the time. So we we talked about the angle of you know how late is too late to allow transfers, even if they're grad students. Just I don't know your thoughts on a very notable Bama player, a foe of Auburn. <laughs> transferring here late in the game to me it's it's bizarre the amount of attention this guy gets um oh i'm sorry i won't talk about it no 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 because <laughs> i i mean god knows i give him the attention too so it's not on anybody in particular the kid just talks a lot i don't i'm not a big fan of javon quinterly and for reasons other than he played basketball for alabama um he talks a lot for a guy who averages nine points a game uh and is a sixth man coming off the bench 
He's not a particularly great basketball player. He has great moments, but also he passed up a very wide open three to beat Alabama uh, to beat Auburn in uh, in 2021. Um, if he had made that shot, Alabama goes up with less than 10 seconds left, I think, and he's passed open the shot. He he doesn't really have it, you know. He doesn't have it enough to to put pull the stunts that he tries to pull on the court. Now I, he's never been in any legal trouble that I know of. The other thing that's weird to me, this kid, I wanted to be accurate about this because I wasn't sure, but I thought he was pretty close to my age. I am six months and one day older than Javon Quinterly. I graduated college two years ago. How is this kid going into his fifth year of college? Because I'd be in my seventh at this point. I, I, I don't know. There's, could he have been an older high school player? Could have been he, one year older? He could have been, but I was an older high school guy. I graduated at 18. Most people graduate when they're 17. Um, and this guy would have had to graduate when he was graduate high school when he was about twenty, or have his freshman year when he was twenty, or turn twenty one. I think during his freshman year, if my math's right. So I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff going. So he's twenty four right. He now. is twenty four yeah. right now. It will be twenty five in November. Sure. So he uh, did spend, but he did spend. I don't I don't know the exact date he graduated, but he geez. was in school five years because he was at Villanova for one. Was he? Bama, yeah. Okay, I didn't know he was ever at Villanova, but uh, according to ESPN, his freshman year was eighteen nineteen. So I don't know. There, it, it's I mean, just it was. Weird. I, I'm it not was. a big I'm not a big Javon Quinterly fan, and and I'm looking for any holes I can poke, which is probably immature, and I shouldn't do it. But it, it's I don't know. I, no no love lost. Right. He obviously angered Auburn fans last last uh, last basketball season. There was some uh, chippy stuff again, and. Again, he had had a horrible season until that game. He started yeah. to wake up in that game and played much better, uh, more to the level that he played the, the previous two years at Alabama. I mean, he, you know, he transferred from Villanova, where obviously he just did not play a whole lot, as is the case with a lot of true freshmen that transfer. He sat out a year, and then he went into you know his first year at Bama uh, with some good stuff. I mean, he shot forty eight percent from the field, thirteen points a game. Um, and then became less efficient, but went up to 14 points the, the next year. So, I mean, that he was there's a level of expectation there that comes with that, and then he certainly regressed last year. And I think that that is why guys like this, it's probably the smart move for him because I would have said that he had some fleeting, I'm not, not high hopes, but fleeting hopes of making the league after a, a good sophomore year. But then, obviously, did nothing to improve that the last couple of year, last couple of years, and I think that that situation it's it's similar in a way. It's not all the way similar. I'm not comparing the same situation, but it is it is akin to the Flanagan situation where there was a point in time where clearly his stock was higher in college than it is today as he makes the transfer decision, um, and I think guys like that have to go somewhere else to try and find it's almost like the professional change of scenery type of deal but clearly he was not good last year yes he clearly uh still chirped and still yeah uh got chippy and with it but you kind of expect auburn alabama guys to do that to to one another too at the end of the day yeah i guess so my thing is if you're gonna talk if you're going to engage with rival fans on social media and that part of it it, too i don't Right, right, idea, and period. Yeah, yeah, and if you're going to prop yourself up, you got to have a reason to do it. You know, you can't just do it because 
you're a nobody. And not to say he was a nobody, but he kind of was a nobody um, for that team. I don't know. That's I have conflicting feelings, and I don't know how to say them with words. <laughs> so, Well, let's see where he transfers. You might never have to think about him again, or yeah. you might transfer in the league and yeah. play Auburn again and be chippy again, chirpy again. Yeah. I, I, The social media part of it, and this is not really wholly about Quinterly, it is a different challenge today that I think me personally – if I was a great player, I would just not be able to have social media. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. I, I take things a little too on the nose and a little too personal sometimes, even when they're not directed at me. It's like I like I could see, say I'm an Auburn Tiger. Say I lose, we lose to Bama. And it wouldn't even be about me. I would If I just saw things saying, oh, yeah, Auburn's trash and that environment's not that tough and blah, blah, blah. I would I would feel the need to respond to that, even though it's not directed at me per se. It's at the entirety of the team, uh, and it gets difficult to try and leave the the social media a- aspect of it because everyone has more access to everybody than ever before, and that can be good. It was intended for good, but a lot of times it ends up being angering more people and angering angering more parties. Yeah, I've often said the best and worst thing about social media is the anonymity. Um, no matter who you are or where you're from or what you look like, you can come on and give your opinions, and if they're good opinions, people will take notice. But it also means that you can say whatever you want without any kind of punishment or uh, any kind of re- repercussion. I'm on social media all the time because it's my my favorite way to engage with the Auburn fan base. Um, I, I, I will say, Ryan, I used to feel that way a lot of, like, if someone just said something that was – what, what I felt very, very wrong and needed to be corrected, I try to correct them, and then I realized that some people are just dumb and the block button was made for a reason. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one plate 9 tiger 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Today we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Luke from Alex City. Luke has called in. Luke, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. Uh, a couple things on uh, Quinterly. First of all, yeah, he is. I don't know if he was one of those, you know, that was old for his class or whatever, but he's at Villanova, didn't work out, transfers to Alabama, um, has to sit out a year because of uh, some transfer thing. This is before the transfer was thing was like it is now. Uh, he had to sit out a year, which he really shouldn't have had to, but he did. And then um, he gets hurt. So he takes a medical redshirt. So there's two years right there. Then he you know, obviously plays for Alabama uh, for a few years, and then and he, now he has his COVID year. So that's where all this comes into play. And, and frankly, it's, it's a long time to be in college. I'm with y'all. And the other thing is, I mean, I feel quite certain he was doing okay uh, at Alabama with NIL money and whatever. I, I don't know specifics, but I feel like he was doing okay. So for something like this to come up, I, I feel just as certain that, uh, like everybody worries about the tampering, that's what's happening. And, again, I'm not complaining about it. I don't want anybody to think I'm complaining about it because Alabama has benefited from the portal, and I have no doubt that Alabama has tampered just as much. I just think that's the kind of world we live in now where you're going to have guys that even if they're not in the portal, they can be tampered with. You know, when you're in the portal, you can have all this nobody else can contact me stuff or 
uh, whatever. But even if you're not in the portal, somebody can contact you or somebody, a friend of a friend can contact a friend of your friend and say, hey, you know, X University needs a point guard really badly. And Alabama's got Aaron Estrada coming in, who is one of the top transfers in, in the in, in, of the year. Uh, they've got Mark Sears coming back. And uh, they've got another transfer coming from out west that can play some point. Um, you're probably not going to get as many minutes. And um, we know a team that needs an experienced point guard. And um, how about instead of getting paid X amount, we pay you two X amount. And so that's just the way it's going to be. Um, again, I'm not complaining about it because I, I feel quite certain uh, that every school is participating in it. So it's, it wouldn't be right for anybody to cry foul. I think just as a general rule, it's, it's not great for college athletics uh, the way we know them. But then part of me is like, hey, you know, who am I to stop somebody from making extra money? So, I mean, it's, it's really a, a catch-22. Yeah, no, I think the, the interesting thing is we, we saw, again, it, it's a weird career trajectory to have uh, this this high impact his first year at Alabama. And then, and, you know, it was not as efficient as we talked about, but it was still high impact clearly uh, last, two years ago. And then to go from the kind of the veteran in the room to, to then all of a sudden being back on the bench and, and playing his least amount of minutes at Alabama, I think it is a very easy message for someone to come in and say, hey – you're going to play more if you go here. Look, they keep recruiting over you, and and look, you've got to do that to a degree. I mean, you're always got to be getting what's next and that sort of thing, trying to improve the team. But he went down to just around 20 minutes a game last year, and if he's got one more year, like it's not going to be shocking, even even if he has incredible love for Alabama, to say if I want any chance of having any future, I've got to go somewhere I can be guaranteed to play more. So it's not. It's not shocking from that point of view. I guess it's just shocking when you're there for so long that you then make such a late decision to leave. But I think the tampering part of it, I've, look, again, it's one of those things where people can't, you know, with that are actually in it. I mean, look, to be fair, some people have, have, have cried uh, you cried foul there, and, and uh, I've heard, you know, people at North Carolina, I think, uh, what was it, uh, Drake May, uh, Mac Brown was talking about Drake May getting recruited and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that you have these – coaches that do it while also trying to say it's happening but it's much easier for us to be out here and and kind of be able to call it like it is and it's not going to be very public but because it can't because it's not really or it's not really for the rules but it's pretty obvious like it, it happens and it shouldn't be happening but it's gonna happen unless there's some concrete policing of it I don't even know how you could possibly police it. That's, that's the other problem. Um, and, you know, they've opened up a can of worms, and I don't know how you fix it. But uh, going back to JQ just for a second, you know, as as Alabama fan, I, I certainly appreciate all he's done, and I'm fine with his leaving if he feels like that's the betterment of his career. I do wish that he had made this decision earlier because, as, as some of you may know, Jaden Bradley transferred to Arizona from Alabama. Now, he and JQ, while they play the same position, are very different point guards, but um, Alabama certainly would have loved to have kept Jaden Bradley if, if JQ was going to be gone. I can assure you of that. Sure. And I do believe the, coach, the coaching staff was definitely caught off guard with this, which again makes me feel like somebody reached out to him in some other fashion. And again, I'm not complaining about it because Alabama's going to benefit from that too 
at times. Uh, we all are. And it's just uh, when it happens to your school, it sucks. But the one thing to remember about Quinn Early is, you know, give it all. I understand all of his, uh, you know, he's rubbed some people the wrong way. I certainly get that. Uh, I didn't like a lot of the social media interaction myself. But uh, he was the MVP of the SEC tournament Alabama won three years ago. So, I mean, he certainly had his bright, shining moments, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, he, uh, for a couple of years, was a part of the, the future there for sure. I mean, again, not uh, – I remember when it was it was a big deal to have Shackelford and Quinterly in the backcourt. I mean, that was going to be, yeah. uh, you know, a, a big deal. And, and Shackelford ended up playing really well, and Quinterly was still good, but, but he never took another step. And, and then this year obviously struggled with the playing time part of it. But, uh, yeah, no, again, with the – with the calling sort of stuff, it'll be interesting to see how quick he does it. I don't know if he'll if he'll be me- measured and try and take visits, or if it will be like a oh he decided seventy two hours later that seems fishy. It's always fishy. I don't I don't think he has this designation, but when the guys that go in the portal have the do not contact tag, well how <laughs> how would that be how would that be possible to to go in the portal with a do not contact so. Uh, yeah, that stuff. Look, is clearly again the not, some of the coaches won't say it, but but we can all put two and two together. Now I feel quite certain he's he probably won't take a lot of visits. There'll probably be one visit, if any visit, and he'll end up at, at the school that was probably talking to him. And again, I want to make clear for Steve so that he doesn't think I'm complaining. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it's something that we're all going to have to sure. deal with uh, until, unless they come up with a rule about. And I would be fine with this. I'd be fine with going back to the rule of you got to sit a year when you transfer. I mean, I, maybe you get that year back. Maybe it's an automatic redshirt or whatever. But um, I think this this moving around so much, it's uh, boy, it's, it's it's taking a little something away from the game. It's uh, it's very free agent like. It's very free agent like. Yep. Well, we appreciate the phone call right, today, Luke. Guys. Yep. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line right there. Just about a minute left here in hour number two. Again, that was again the timeliness of it was something we talked a little bit about in hour number one, and that's why we kind of broached the subject in hour number one of the timeliness of the rules. Look, I know no one around here is going to feel uh, sorry for Alabama, uh, certainly, but that is a team that or that is a thing that if it happens a lot. Uh, that is something you've got to look at is why it is so late in the process for uh, all these teams. And, again, I don't see why you can't move it up just a couple weeks. I think it helped. I think the premise that I struggle with, the premise that you can be drafted into the NBA and yet college kids could still make decisions mm-hmm. to go somewhere else is still, again, timeline-wise, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Again, I'm not saying that we need to move this thing up six weeks and, like, hey – the 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 nuts are or the nets are cut down in in the final four and then all of a sudden oh you've got to pick your transfer destination no I'm not saying that I think that we you still have to have a period of time once the season ends but certainly in late June it was not on my radar for anyone else of note to transfer I'll yeah put it that way absolutely not we are out of time now for hour number two stay tuned. In hour number three, you're going to have a nice conversation about the Atlanta Braves. A nice conversation because they keep winning. They had another entertaining series against the Cincinnati Reds. Also a little bit later in hour number three, best and worst of the weekend. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday. Good start to the week so far, mainly because I was only here just a few moments before the show and I worked far less time than everyone else today. However, I did have my teeth cleaned and no one likes the dentist, so that kind of evens out. Do you agree? I agree. Okay. Not, awesome. a, not a big dentist fan. <laughs> so Necessary, we, but not fun. We have done different uh, types of deals today. <laughs> uh, all right. So starting out number three, let's talk a little baseball. Let's talk Braves and Mentioned, I don't know, this is maybe about two, three weeks ago when we went through the Braves and Mets game, the poor Larry a crown. Yeah. That game. Great, great um, moment. That one was one of the rare times you needed to talk about a one particular regular season game on the show. And this is the time where it's not as rare, but definitely want to talk about one series here and talk about this Braves and Reds series that concluded. Uh, in Great American Ballpark this weekend. You know, the Reds were a team that the Braves have already seen this year. It, but it was the – and granted, it was one-run games too. I, I don't want to say, like, the Braves just, you know, ran through them. I mean, it was clearly uh, close games back then too. But when the Braves saw the Reds earlier this year, mid-April, this Reds team – let me see if they got the record here. They left that series four and seven. Okay, that's such a small sample size. Not a lot to derive from it, but no reason to think that the Reds were going to be on this incredible path for now. If you fast forward to the closing days here of June, and the Reds had won eleven in a row coming into the series, twelve in a row once they got that first Braves game. The Braves were hitting all series long. They scored twenty-four runs in three games, but Solid. the Reds. And three games scored 23 runs because the Reds kept answering every punch the Braves have. The game the Braves lost. We were it was a Friday. We had watched the first inning or mm-hmm. so here, and went on my way to Birmingham. And the Braves were up five nothing. I got home, I looked at the TV, and the Braves were losing. I think it was like <laughs> nine to seven at the time. I was like, "What in tarnation happened there?" Um, so, the moral of this story was a hell of a series. A very offensive series, a series which I think everyone agrees. Let's not play eighty-one games in Great American <laughs> Ballpark for heart health and just health overall. Uh, but Brant, again, another example of okay, here's a legitimately solid team and a legitimately hot team, and the Braves still, even though it was close, handled business. Yeah, for the lo- first time in a long time, the Reds are respectable, and not just respectable, but like you said, they went punch for punch with the Atlanta Braves, who are the best team in the National League right now, and. Maybe the best team in baseball. Depends on who you ask. So uh, that that was an incredible series. That was a that was an October esque atmosphere for a baseball game. And 
it, you know, hats off to the Reds and their fans and, and the Braves fans who made the trip too because it wasn't just loud when the Reds were doing good things. Uh, but overall, just an incredible series. Uh, uh, Ellie De La Cruz is a superstar, and he's going to be a superstar for a long time if he can keep doing what he's doing. What He got a, a cycle in six innings in game one, so it just an incredible performance from him. The kid's really good, and he's really fun to watch. And, you know, like you said, Great American Ballpark is a it's nightmare. Great. It's great. It's gr- it's an incre- it's it's a great ballpark and it's also in America. <laughs> right. But it's it, it, you know, a legendary for several reasons. One of them being that the deepest part of the ballpark is 404 feet, I think. Right. So with air that that yeah, travels it's yeah, for whatever it, reason. Yeah, you would hit this Atlanta Braves team would hit 500 home runs in one season if they played in 81 games in that park. But it feels that way. My my goodness, it just an incredible series and Incredible from the Braves to to go in there and win, and especially in the final two games from uh, Rysel Iglesias. I know that he did not pitch very well, but when when the time came and he needed to get the outs, he got the outs. Um, Tying run on third, winning run on first, and you get a ground out double play to end the game. That's clutch, you know? It's not great. You'd rather have just not been in that position. But just clutch moments up and down the lineup from the pitching staff. And, again, credit to Cincinnati because going down 5 nothing in the first inning of Game 1. Uh, and then, again, I think it was in the first inning of Game 3, the Braves went up 5 to nothing again, uh, and they still came back and, and forced the Braves to play nine full innings. Just an incredible series between a team that has World Series aspirations and another team that is – on a rebuild that's yeah. starting to work now. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just a really great series overall. And, you know, transitioning to just talking about the Braves themselves, they've been a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, even though the pitching has been fair to middling at best uh, in in some of these right now, and we'll, we'll see Spencer Strider, I think, later tonight. Um, and he's got an ERA of four-something over his last couple of starts. He's not pitching well, but despite the fact that the Braves pitching is not super hot right now, the bats have kept them alive, and they're 23 games over 500 right now, first team in the National League to 50 wins. They're really good, and they're a lot of fun to watch. I want to spend one more second before we deep dive on Braves on Ellie De La Cruz. Go for it. Because it has been since he got called up that they changed – that the equation has changed so much for him. He's played 17 games. I think they're 14 and three in those 17 games because they had the 12 game win streak there. I'll double check. Maybe 15 and two. No, I'm sure it could be uh, 13 and four, not 14 and three. Um, but so I get it. It's a small amount of bats. It's uh, he's had 69 at bats. So it's a nice amount of at bats. But three home runs, 10 RBIs, hitting 333. It's a solid start. We. I liked. I'm such a. I'm such a boring loser when it comes to this because I'm just like, you know what? What if we hang on? You know, what if we just take it easy? Let's just not expect that this is like the next Hall of Fame shortstop. Let's just be calm. But when you see him, he is six five. He looks like he is a football or a basketball player. He does not look like a baseball player. Looks like an alien. He is playing shortstop. He glides, so he's got the speed, but. Obviously, someone that big, he's got power. I'm liking his approach so far because, look, in 69 at-bats to be labeled as doing something really good, to only have three home runs tells me, okay, he's actually hitting. He's not just, like, trying to lift and separate the whole time. I remember when uh, Jock Peterson um, came up with the Dodgers. He was hitting, like, 
I don't know, he maybe hit 14 home runs in the first two months, 15 home runs. But I, don't, I don't remember the particulars, but it was a home run barrage. It was like, oh, he's hitting 280, but look at all these home runs. And over time, it's just like, okay, Jock, Peter has, uh, Jock Peterson has been a, a solid big league player, but he was not became this perennial all-star with Hall of Fame power that it looked like for two months that he might have with the Dodgers. And there's sometimes cases of this now. De La Cruz was a big prospect and all that. And, again, I'm not telling you that he is going to be a little disappointing, but there are certainly times where these prospects come up with a bang and then just kind of level off into solid players but not great players. It's why now transitioning into Atlanta – that's why I was so worried about Michael Harris for the first two months of the year because he came up last year and he had such a quality year. I mean, it was such a professional year out of him. It wasn't like he had hit a million home runs. He just was hitting to all fields. And all of a sudden, for the first two months this year, it was like, oh, he's got like three opposite field hits and, oh, he's tri- striking out a lot. And like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't Mike last year. And you start to worry about, or at least I did, Oh, well, I guess one year doesn't prove that you're going to be long-term good. And got a little panic there. Well, ever since I panicked, he's hit – he's gained nearly 100 points in the average. He's up in the 250s now, I believe. He's sort of, at least he was going into Sunday. He's hitting the ball to all fields, and he's back to being a good, solid professional hitter that can worry you, and there's really no way to align for him. And so – that has been continually something that's impressed me the most. Yes, it's been relevant for Ozuna to, to look like a big leaguer again, and it's been <laughs> it's been relevant for Rosario to play so have have some of his best work as a Brave and and all that. But also for Harris, just the long term. Because look, in five years, Ozuna won't be on this team. Rosario will not be on this team. But Michael Harris is signed to a seven year deal, and he's a part of that young core that the Braves tout as they should. Because the theory is is that Acuna and Albies and Riley and Olsen and Harris will be the in this lineup for the next five to ten years, all of them. And so you don't want to bleed from that. You you want those like like the Ozunas will come and go. There will be some guys that fill that role well. There'll be guys that don't fit that role as well. That you know, I guess they've signed Murphy long term. I could include Murphy in that, but I was yeah. thinking of someone else like Darno. It's like Darno is great now, but in five years he will not be on this team. Maybe in three years he won't be on this team. So those those type of guys will come and go to come and go to fill out the lineup. But you got about six guys that are signed for five plus years here with the intent to have this always work out. It's such a beautiful place to be in. You know that there's probably going to be a year in there where one guy gets injured, one guy slumps, one guy loses the power, and, and this, that, and the other. But when you've got six of them, even if that happened, all right, three other guys are going to be great. Yeah. You know, that that's the beauty of having that many guys reliably. And um, Michael Harris is a part of that. But it's cool when – back to De La Cruz, it's, it's cool when these smaller market teams have their guy – where, okay, you know, I don't know if they'll always pay him. Just like I don't know if Tampa will always pay Wander Franco, for example. But at least for five, six, seven years, up until their late 20s, maybe around 30, they can have these beautifully entertaining players, which makes that team so watchable, despite being a smaller market team or maybe not being a dominant force. And that's what I love about the game is that if you scout well, you're going. You've got so many opportunities to use your scouting and your development process to get players that, at least initially, are just as good as all these people the Mets pay for, <laughs> and need a shot at the Mets there. But 
De La Cruz has brought excitement to Cincinnati that they've not had in, in several years, probably since, like, I don't know, Votto and Bruce were young. Right. Like, Jay Bruce and Joey Votto came up together. So uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, for the, for the smaller market teams, especially ones with great fan bases and big-time history like the Reds, it is fun to see those guys come up. And to, to push that back on the Braves, I think there's a guy in AAA right now named Vaughn Grissom who the Braves also think is going to be a part of this team a decade down the line. They want him to turn into the next shortstop, so Orlando Arcia is that piece right now, but they're looking to replace him with another long-term piece. And you've got all these, uh, to to steal a soccer term, these homegrown players that you've drafted and brought up through your minor league system, and they come to your team. You you get a little more team-friendly doing that. And, yeah, I, I love when the young guys come up, and I love when they make an immediate impact. But, and I love more when they stay on that trajectory and they become really, really good major league players. And I especially love it when they play for the Atlanta Braves. So the Braves doing this interesting thing right now where they're playing the leaders of both central divisions. Mm. However, those central divisions are the worst two divisions in baseball. Well, there you go. And they would not lead any other division other than the ones they lead. As a matter of fact, uh, the American League East, with the exception of the Red Sox, everyone would lead both the NL and AL Central. Uh, the Red Sox would be tied for the AL Central lead, and, of course, the Braves are about to play the AL Central leading Minnesota Twins. That's awesome. Do you recall who is leading off now these days for the Twins? Uh, I do not, but I did see it earlier. It is uh, former Auburn Tiger Edouard Julien. So you do, and yes, you're correct. Yes, I did, I, did not, I did not remember that because I'm smart. I remembered it because I saw it earlier today. Uh, well, you well, you get the credit for it, nevertheless. Yes, Edouard Julien who kind of rocketed up prospect boards. Like, yeah, he was he not on a top 100 prospect. And then he went from – he got to, like, 90 around the World Baseball Classic. I think they updated. He got, like, 50s or 60s. I mean, he ended up rocketing up. And he is the leadoff hitter now for the Minnesota Twins, um, hitting about 250 in, a, in 100 at bat. So he plays about every day. Only four home runs. So I, I don't know if I was going to power rank how many home runs he hit. He was a very powerful hitter at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's going to be a very uh, cool part of it. You're right, it is Spencer Strider tonight. ERA just under four for the season. Against Sonny Gray, who's been awesome yeah, for it, the Twins. He's throwing like 250 right yep, now. Exactly, 256 yeah. ERA. Only five decisions, so that maybe they like the not, not this game, unless they want to decide to give him a loss. But they might want to work on giving him some more decisions because <laughs> if he's got five decisions and like twelve or thirteen starts, I, I know that part of it's not working deep in the games. But for instance, Strider has pitched three more innings than Gray, and Strider has ten decisions to Gray's yeah. five. So yeah. there is some bullpen chaos there. There is some lower scoring uh, stuff with the Twins. Um, so again, another first place team. Oh, I'm just. This no one's going to care about this, but I have to mention it. <laughs> so, uh, Yankee favorite Joey Gallo, who hit like I don't know, buck sixty. It's like a nice, pr- like he's like the dollar menu for McDonald's. It's like, oh, okay, this uh, this hasn't been hit by infl- inflation yet. Certainly, Gallo's batting average has never been inflated with the Yankees. He'd had this power surge with the Twins, and Yankees fans were getting upset about it. He's hitting 182 again. There so you go. Sounds about right uh, for strikeout king Joey Gallo. <laughs> uh, I've said all this, and he's about to tank one tonight, and now I apologize to everyone. Yeah, off of Sp- Spencer's a, a good one to kind of tee off against. Yeah, uh, he When he's wrong, he, he gives up some home runs. That's another part of it. So, uh, so he's given up 12 this year in 84 innings. It's not 
it's not horrible, but it's certainly for a good pitcher. That's it's a lot for this time of the year. Sonny Gray's only allowed two home runs God. this year, so that's going to be a mano mano of a guy that just does not allow homers versus a team that just hits all the homers. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting tonight. But uh, Braves continue on uh, fifteen twenty seven. A little bit later this week, we're going to go through all the guys in the lineup. We're going to go through. Um, I don't know, top, at least, the, I don't know. We're going to go through everybody and the starters, and we're going to judge their first halves of the year. So uh, we're looking for that a little bit later in the week. But, again, Braves and Twins start a series another first-place team playing the Braves. But Braves, as Brant has said, already to 50 wins, already on 100-win-plus pace. We're going to take our next timeout. More sports call right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, <laughs> and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here. You will never know what was being talked about during the break. I mean, you, you might. You might. You might. We could talk about it on the show at some point. But um, anyway, starting to wind down this Monday edition in just a little bit, we'll have best and worst of the weekend. Before we do that, though, I want to mention the College World Series as LSU and Florida have played two very different games <laughs> in the first two games of the series. It will conclude tonight. LSU winning a extra inning game in the first matchup. A opportunity Florida had to win it um, in the bottom half of the, what was it, the 10th inning or 9th inning where they had a line shot to left field and great catch was made. And then LSU came back and scored the very next inning, a home run. And then yesterday... The two teams played. <laughs> or Well, I think one of the two teams right. played. Two teams stood on the field, <laughs> and Florida did a little better than LSU did. A little. I'm going to break the news that Florida will will win the run differential in this <laughs> series. However, they may not win the national title. Yesterday's score, of course, I'm alluding to, was it 24-4? to Was yeah. that the final? Yeah, 24-4. Yep. So they're plus 19, but they're tied at 1. And it's all for all the marbles tonight. Do you have a preference in who wins? And then we'll get to Paul Skeens in just a second. I, You know, I don't have a preference. For whatever reason, I've always said the two teams in the SEC that I cheer for, for no other reason uh, than just I kind of like these two teams. They're, it's Florida and LSU. Uh, I've always felt kind of a an affection for them, I guess. I don't know. Obviously, Auburn's going to be number one forever, but... 
I really like Florida and LSU, so I, I don't have a preference. Um, I know that if LSU wins, then Auburn gets to claim they won a series over the national champion, so that's kind of a cool thing to claim. Hang the banner, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, but, something but, like that. No, overall, I don't really have a preference. I, I kind of prefer Florida just because LSU has been – expected to do this all mm-hmm. season long their talent is impressive and some of their individual players that are we're going to go see in major league baseball one day it, again is incredibly impressive i do want to mention though i don't want to get the name wrong but i was watching I've, I've watched a decent amount of this series so far and this kid on florida um again trying to double check the name cagliano I think that's right. 33 home runs and 90 RBIs. So I talked about Tommy White having like 102 RBIs and 60 some games. Which is just I don't I don't know. what what are the words to that? I don't know other than, other that, other than the, the aluminum bats. The Darn flavor. good. Aluminum bats. But Caglione has 33 home runs in 6 uh, 70 games now. Almost a home run every other game. So if you had a full Major League Baseball season of 162 games. That'd be about 70 home run pace. He would be sniffing Barry Bonds for most home runs. <laughs> it's it's just it's crazy. And and they said he was slumping too. <laughs> he, they were. <laughs> I was watching the broadcast. Like yeah, he's like three for his last 15 or something like that. I was like oh yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. move him down in the order. <laughs> Move the 30-something home run guy down. Doesn't he? And I'll I'll preface this question by saying I don't watch any college baseball that Auburn's not a part of. I have not watched a single game since Auburn got knocked out of the tournament. Watch this one. This is the time. That's that's fair. That's fair. But doesn't that kid pitch, too? Uh, Maybe a little bit. Um, Like, I I read somewhere that he's – they some – He's in. not pitching in this World Series. Let me put it right. that way. He's some like some nickname of Otani. Like they call it, like what was his name again? Uh, Caglion. Ca- they call him like Caltani or something uh-huh. like that. I've I've heard somebody say that. He's but it, I mean either way, that's an absurd bit of numbers. Oh, T- intern TP says he's starting tonight. Ca- let me let me. Oh, live radio. This is this is live radio. This, this is, is fantastic is. stuff. Wow, Jack Caglione is pitching tonight. Okay, well, anyway, um, <laughs> so he pitches, and he's going to pitch in the so, sporting game of the year. So he, he does pitch. Yes. Uh, not pitching, or at least not starting tonight, Paul Skeens. Mm-hmm. Okay, Skeens, 1.69 ERA this year. Again, that is equally impressive to me. Like, oh, I hear of one point somethings. Yeah, usually out of bullpen guys in the major league level – but in college, when we've set the record for most home runs in a season in the NCAA, you can see Jack Caglione here. To have a 1.69 ERA is far different than just a normal year where offense is down or, or trending down, that sort of thing. Um, he's been incredible. The, a good team ERA in college baseball this year is in the fours. Yeah. It, it's 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 a full run higher than than the professional rank. So to have a one sixty nine, to have two hundred and nine strikeouts is incredible. I think the record is like two thirteen. I think Skeens is within striking distance of a single season record because again, guys, 
the premise of this. I'm sorry. These blow my mind. Maybe everyone's out here like, why is this guy obsessed with this? I don't know because these stats are absurd. 209 strikeouts, and again, in a 70-game sample, okay, if you project that out over 162 games, it's like 450 strikeouts in a year. Yeah, It's like prime Nolan Ryan, <laughs> like no other thing we've ever seen like this. It's, it, it's incredible. I, I just in, a, in an era where the bats are more alive than yeah. they have been. Again, set the record for most home runs in the NCAA this year. So he Skeens will not start. He will be available. I think he's on three days rest. So I get it. He's going to be the number one overall pick. You're like, hey, let's not start you off with Tommy John. It's going to happen. I hate the morbid. <laughs> it's going to happen. He's going to have Tommy John at some point because anyone that throws hard at Major League Baseball does now. And he throws 99 to 100 miles per hour like the whole game. So it's, it's a major arm injury will happen to him. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. But they're saying like, hey, we're not – going to start him i think they're just going to save him for the highest leverage opportunity yeah the the hope is that you don't fall behind like four nothing five nothing but like it could be fifth inning we're up we as an lsu up three to one runners on second and third one out here he comes or oh low stress all game what about a seven out save something like that like that's what that's what i'm expecting from him tonight he might not necessarily close the game but at the first high leverage opportunity, he's the call. And I expect him to be great. There is this weird psyche with pitchers that we see all the time in major leagues where it's just different to come out of the pen. It just is. You have a different routine. And, and baseball players are the most unique about their routines. They it's a superstitious bunch. Got to have sunflower seeds at 346, then got to have a cup of water, then got to stretch. Then I'm going to throw 12 pitches and eat a sandwich. So I'm going to throw 22 <laughs> more pitches, go to the bathroom, and now I'm ready. You know, like it's just it, – they have they have weird routines. And so I don't know if it will mess him up to come out of the pen. You know, it's always fascinating with closers. Like they are in non-save opportunities. They just forget that they're in professional baseball still. It's the most fascinating thing. You have a dominant closer like Kimbrell who has 400 career saves and – all these high leverage opportunities. And then he comes in the eighth inning of five run game with the White Sox the other year. And it's just like, well, I guess I'm going to have a seven ERA now. It's like, no, <laughs> I really don't see why it has to be that drastic. But you go look it up. He was terrible as a setup man for the White Sox. It was just like, I don't get what the what the difference is in one inning to the next. But some of this stuff is fascinating. Uh, do you? So you don't have a preference. Do you have a winner? Do you, do you feel confident in a winner? Uh, it, it's... It's tough to go against LSU. I mean, for, for all the reasons that you've mentioned, I mean, there's just so much talent on that team. The the potential first and second overall picks are, are going to appear at some point in this game tonight for LSU. Um, now, they appeared last night, too. Or, or well, Skeens did not. But, uh, man, Florida beat them 24-4. to Yep. That's that's not a – I'm so worried they're going to score, like, one run. They just tapped it out. <laughs> they were like, wait, this wasn't the clinching game? Yeah. But we got but, another one. But you know, anytime you can go out and score twenty four on a team that good, uh, that's you don't do that by accident. And I know LSU probably was not throwing their best pitcher in that game. In fact, I know they weren't. But man, the the it, it's so hard to go against LSU. Does it almost benefit you to lose that bad because you don't burn some other pitchers? You get down I, like thirteen to three, and it's like ah, whatever. I think so. I mean, we see it in college softball somewhat often right you'll have one pitcher who's super dominant and she'll start the first game of the series then in your second game you'll throw out 
you know, a couple of girls that aren't quite as good, and then in game three to win the series, you'll throw your starter back out there for six innings and then bring in your dominant bullpen player. And you, you see that type of rotation in sports where you just can't throw the same person back to back to back like that. So you have Florida LSU tonight. Looking forward to it. And again, I think I, I still lean LSU. You know, I, I prefer Florida to win because, again, it's a weapon in a one game scenario to put the best pitcher of either staff on it any moment you choose. Yeah. And even though Skeens is obviously inherently a weapon because he goes seven or eight innings, start a game. Like any time other than like the third, first three innings, if it's a close game and Florida's mounting a rally, Skeens is going to come into that game. And you're going to have to get the freshest version of Skeens. And you're just going to have to hope that he is not locked in from pitch one. Because as a starter, sometimes, you know, they famously, their deal is the first inning is usually the inning that gets some of these elite guys sometimes. So maybe you can get that, you can get them in that, that situation. But. Florida needs to do some work early. They need to they need to keep the momentum from game two. Yep. If they go and LSU gets out to a two three nothing lead with what they're going to have with Skeens, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it. I know it got out. I know LSU took a lead yesterday. I'm fully aware of that. But <laughs> I think it's different when you have Skeens coming in at some point. All right, starting to run low on time for the show. This is a Monday, so let's get to something we do each and every Monday. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No. No! No! Of the weekend. Insane how consistently I forget that I have to do this and when I do it every week. That's, that's well, <laughs> and you are on the Monday show every week. Well, at least I clicked the right button this week because last week I clicked like the what to watch for button at first. Oh, and, no. You know, I'm telling on myself now, but uh, so we all can make improvements. So I'll, I'll start then with, with best. We'll start best. Um, my best of the weekend is everything about my trip home. Again, and always enjoy time with the parents. Uh, ate tremendous food, gained some weight this weekend. That's maybe not a best. I don't know if I want to actively gain. It's weight always time, fun but, to do it, right? Um, and uh, we did see the Flash this uh, this weekend, and that's a part of my best too. I know that you're probably reading stuff online that's like, oh, this is just terrible, and you know, Ezra Mir- Ezra Miller and blah blah and. I'm like, yes, Ezra Miller, not like someone I want to model my life after. But um, I thought the movie's good. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> I'm not hating on it. Ind- I, independent of the lead actor of the film. Right. It uh, The nostalgia part of it was, was tremendous, seeing Michael Keaton. There's another surprise at the end of the movie. It's like 20 seconds. I, th- I don't see... Does Jack... It, mm. I'm going to ask this, but don't spoil it. All right. No. <laughs> you, oh, you don't want to spoil it for you either. No, well, I, I'm not going to see it. But, okay. like, my question was Jack Nicholson's Joker, like, as a joke. All right. So, everyone, I'm giving a spoiler. Don't <laughs> listen to the next 30 seconds. You, you can do it after we get off the show. We no one li- No, left. I'm doing it now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no one listen to the next 30 seconds, okay? Starting now. So there was like a Joker laugh in there. Okay, I think it was his, but it's not Jack. Like Jack okay. being alive. Jack Nicholson the, is not right. actually in there. Okay. The surprise in the last twenty seconds, Clooney. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Clooney. So who who, who not, hates his appearances right. in the Batman? Movies. He's not in the suit, but Clooney. Last twenty seconds. That's awesome. And uh, I'm not going to go even further deep dive of the why because that'll spoil the movie. But yeah, Clooney. All right, time. All right, you're bet. We're back. 
hope you hope, hope, hope you, figured, you didn't hope listen you last found 30 that seconds. Out well. Yeah. <laughs> no, no the, what I've also learned though with the seat box office drop, like the people that wanted to see it have already seen it pretty much. Yeah. Like, there's going to be there's always going to be some trickle effect, but it dropped like 68%. I could make this the worst. Like it dropped 68%. It was the second largest drop for a comic book movie behind Morbius. Which was bad. <laughs> this is just it's not a good. Universally hated movie. Jared Leto was in it. It's not great. <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't hate Jared Leto, but I, I you know, I do, <laughs> but I know a lot do. So he's good with Thirty I Seconds love, to Mars. I, I love, like Thirty he, Seconds yeah, to Mars. I do love Thirty Seconds to Mars, and he was great in American Psycho. So yes, he okay. I TP did a double take. You're right. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> There was like that's my Jared Leto joke. One the two things a, he's good in. One eighth of a second. I thought you had confused him for Christian Bale, but yeah, yep, you're right. No, Christian Bale right. like yeah. hacks him apart with an axe. It's a exactly. great scene. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're on the same page there. But yeah, hopefully you, that 30, 20 second blob did not spoil anything for you. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> All right, your best of the week. Well, weekend. My best of the weekend. It's got to be the Braves Reds series. Uh, just every game coming down to the wire. Every game that you've played against that team has been a one run game, uh, and, and you've gotten more wins than losses. But just an incredible series overall. And you know, I like not just Braves and Reds fans took notice. Like the entire baseball world was aware of that contest going on. Jeff Passan had a couple of tweets about it. A, you know, ESPN had a couple of things about it. Obviously, they're focusing on Ellie De La Cruz since he's such a phenom. But, yeah, that that, that entire series top to bottom was just fantastic. Um, I don't have a real worst. I almost had a worst. Can I do an almost worst and Go cheat a little bit this week? I, it's your show, man. My almost worst was United States almost lost to Jamaica this I saw weekend that. in soccer. I did, I did watch that game. And look, Jamaica is not incapable. Like, they have they have beaten America before. It is incredibly rare, but they have done it. And, it, again, they have been in a World Cup. It's not like it's just – it's not like losing to El Trinidad. Salvador. Or, you know, <laughs> insert other Gold Cup team not named Mexico here. But, <laughs> but it would have been a rough one because they have just – they've actually played really well. They had won the Gold Cup the last time. They won the little CONCACAF, like Nations, Champions Nation, format. Nations? Whatever maybe? it was. I don't know. Uh, where There's so many international. Teams. If it's an international competition and it's not the World Cup, I probably don't right. care that much. It was, it was four teams, and they had just slobbered on Mexico, beat them again. <laughs> I mean, they did. They beat them three nil. They, they, they beat they beat Mexico yeah, pretty the, badly easily yes. in the. I mean, in the final, and they've they've been giving them the business the last. <laughs> <laughs> the last of what? I mean, they have. They've been. They've had a really good record against Mexico the last oh, the last few years. Uh, they had had a Personal horrible foul. record against Mexico for a Just while. The business and they exactly. And so, uh, shout out to that ACC ref, yeah, NC State game or whatever. But um, they have been playing so well, and then they almost promptly lost the first game of their Gold Cup title defense. They did get a late uh, score for a draw in like the 86th minute, something like that. But, man, that would have been tough on your home soil. You just don't expect to come get beat in the group stage. And they were they were doing all sorts of statistics where they had only lost like a few times in the history mm-hmm. of the Gold Cup in the group stage. It was just They avoided it. So, again, it's not a complete worst. I'm not complaining inherently over a draw, but – 
they were they were minutes away from a pretty disastrous loss considering how they've been playing recently. Yeah, my my worst is actually going to return to the world of soccer, uh, and this has kind of become a routine worst for me when I can't think of anything else. Uh, Atlanta United um, in the midweek had a great show against um, I think it was NYCFC. Uh, had a lot of their designated players out. Those are your highest paid players. You get three of them. Had all three of your designated players not with the team, either uh, transferring somewhere else, in the case of Luis Ararujo, and um, the other two were on international break. So you have to play a game with a bunch of a bunch of academy call-ups, right? A bunch of teenagers uh, going up against MLS team, uh, MLS professionals, guys who are super experienced. And while NYCFC is not good, uh, Atlanta still was able to get a draw. They got a 2-2 draw uh, with a team that was expected to come in and beat them. Well, on Saturday, they played New York Red Bulls. They had all of their best players back. Uh, and lost four to nothing. And they didn't so, have wings. Did, did not have no. Well, Red Bulls did. Right. Red Bulls. Yeah. Red, New York Red Bulls. Red Bull New York. I'm not sure yeah. how they want to do it. It's Red, New York Red, Red Bulls. Unless is, they changed the name. I don't know. Yeah. Like because they also own a couple of teams in uh, Germany. I think or, or oh, like, those, Austria. Yeah. Those are like and those that, are yeah. like Red Bull. Yeah. Dortmund. Gives I don't you know. Wings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, Just, it does. Yeah. Red uh, Red Bulls had wings uh, when they played Atlanta right. United, and uh, Atlanta United uh, could not keep up. It was sad. Yeah, well, look, I mean, this this time of year, we're uh, we're on to some of the other sports, and if there's not as much sports action, so the best and worst are going to be a little bit more. Yeah. It's all gonna, it's all baseball. Stuff and, all baseball. Yeah. Well, I, if Cam had been on the show, it would have been the John Collins trade. Yeah, so yeah, that, that would, too. That would have done him in a little bit. But uh, we are out of time for this segment. That was best and worst of the weekend. One final segment of Sports Call Nightly TV Guide coming up right after this. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Final couple minutes of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy and Brant Dontry. Nightly TV Guide in just a moment. All right, counterpoint to the flash not being good. <laughs> All right. So I liked it again. I like, I've like i disliked like six movies in my life, though. So I'm not – basically only take my word for it unless I'm just like adamant for like just like there's no way and i'm not like that i like this movie but i'm like i can see how someone wouldn't like it or unless i dislike it because again if you're one of six that movie sucks like <laughs> lake placid two don't do that one <laughs> just don't do that the most one. random movies to right they're like. horror movies well and i like horror movies and then you get into the weeds some of those and the lowest of low budgets and the worst of worst ideas but counterpoint to the flash is it bad when your favorite characters 
you go through the movie and your favorite characters and you get to like four or five till you get to the main character. Is that a sign oh. of a bad movie or a good movie? It depends. Like I, with with a movie called The Flash, right? Shouldn't the I Flash think you should. Yeah, Barry Allen should be a, a pretty heavy favorite character. If it is something that's like a more ensemble movie, like uh, and. In Ocean's Eleven, or to, yeah. to for for more of a superhero thing, one of the Avengers movies. I don't know if there is like a main character. Obviously, Danny yeah. Ocean's the main character in the Ocean's movies, but if but you, you don't say, have like, to like Clooney or pick yeah. the most, yeah. You know? Like I, I really enjoyed uh, I, Tom Cruise's character, not Tom Cruise. No, um, I don't. Um, Damon, I don't know. If yeah, Matt, I, yeah, I think Matt Damon. I'm trying to think of, through every eleven. Yeah, the, here. like his Hang second on. in command. I can't remember the kid's name. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there in a second. But but it, to, for for a movie called The Flash, I think you should like The Flash pretty heavily. No, I agree. I mean, that's that's why I'm starting to have some trouble with it. Yeah, Matt Damon's in that. He's he's high up the list. Bernie Mac. And, I forgot Bernie Mac was in that yeah, movie. Casey Affleck's in it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's others because there's eleven of them. But <laughs> but um, hence the name. Yeah, of the, the movie. Fl- like the Flash is like my fourth fifth favorite character. So like if you want to poke at that a little bit it's like yeah i fine i'll say it do another michael keaton batman movie he's 70 and i don't michael keaton want to do another batman movie i don't know he he put back on the cape for a while in this one he did and he was gonna be in batgirl and the and they the the studio was like you know what we're just not gonna release this was that a tim burton no i mean i'm saying like the last couple years they really made a batgirl or something like that really and they no just completely, like, post-production, shut it down. Really? Like, they had filmed it, and they were just like, we're not releasing this. That's insane. Which is concerns me, because how bad does that movie have to be? <laughs> but at the same time, maybe, maybe they I lost want... Keaton in the bat suit more. Yeah, maybe they just didn't want Keaton to, to show up before but, The Flash? I don't know I, what that's DC's so weird. doing. I I'm talking myself into not liking <laughs> this anymore. <laughs> All right, nightly TV guy before this movie's movie's ruined. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Robert Pattinson's Batman was fantastic. It was. Loved loved that movie. It was a different tone. You saw the detective side of Batman. Yeah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) here on Sports Call, the nightly nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, we'll start with sports. Six o'clock, College World Series final. Winner gets the whole thing. LSU in Florida. That's again six o'clock ESPN. Florida does not get to carry over the run differential. Six twenty on Valley Sports South. Braves and Twins. If you watch the first batter of that game, you'll see Edouard Julian. He leads off with Twins. Movie picks tonight: The Avengers. Six o'clock on FX. That's not DC. Also not DC. Six o four on Stars. Guardians of the Galaxy. Good movie. Really good movie. And then also not DC, but also not Marvel, 7 o'clock, Paramount, White House Down. I've never seen that. I've not seen it either. Never. That's the one with Morgan Freeman playing the president, right? Yes. And I have not been as big in action movies as I should, mm. and uh, that's on me. But that's also Sports Call's nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hart Seltzer. That will do it for today. That was a funny show. Was well, it productive? Sort of. <laughs> At times, mainly earlier, but it's a fun show. Brant, thank you for being here. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And uh, that will do it for the show. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan Voy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk again tomorrow.